0: Good morning, y'all doing all right this morning? Did you all survive Thanksgiving, for those of you who had to host people at your house? Amen. Hospitality is biblical, so we thank God for you really quickly. Uh, I heard Isaac say that some of y'all had turkey for breakfast this morning. I just want you to know that immediately after service, there's prayer available for you. Um, you made that food on Wednesday, fam. It's Sunday, like, time for not to go in the trash. Amen. All right. Hey, with that being said, I'm super excited. We got a one-off message this weekend. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me uh, to Psalms 119, Psalms 119. And in just a moment, uh, we're gonna go over to Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight, two of my absolute favorite chapters uh, in the Bible. And you'll find out why at the conclusion of this service. I'm excited because I get to talk about one of my favorite topics, y'all. This morning, we have the opportunity to talk about sin. Oh, look at that weak applause. That's all right, Uh, but let me be more specific. We're going to talk about the power that God has given us through his word and through the Holy Spirit to overcome sin. Here's the reality. I really am convinced that there's a bunch of people in this room and who may even watch online at some point who absolutely love Jesus with all of your heart, you love Jesus with all of your mind, you love Jesus with all of your soul. And there's a burning desire on the inside of you to be pleasing to him in every single way. And here's the other reality. The enemy isn't happy about it. And as a result, he has been trying to attack you mentally and spiritually and get you to this place to where you fall into sin. As we all know, sin separates us from God. But here's what I've learned as I've journeyed this path myself. One of the things that I love and that I am so grateful for, because of God's Word and because of the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us, you and I no longer have to be bound by sin, but are free in Christ. So, as a result, I wanna preach a message entitled this morning, No Longer Bound. And it is my prayer for those of you who have been wrestling, who've been fighting this enemy, who have been fighting your flesh, trying to get it right. And you seem as if, or you feel as if you'll never be able to get it right. You need to know that the enemy is a lie. And Jesus went to that cross so that you can be set free. So before I take or say anything else, would you do me a favor? Let's come together as the body of Christ and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to rest with us and teach us according to his word, how you and I no longer need to be bound. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness and your grace and your mercy and for the way that you walk with us and talk with us and are patient with us. And in this moment, I decrease and ask that you would increase. Would you hide me behind the cross? Let them not see and hear from me, but let them only see and hear from you. And I pray that the words that come out of my mouth would be anointed by you. Anoint me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet and give me preaching power that only comes from you. But most importantly, Holy Spirit, would you do surgery on all of us, beginning with the man on the platform? We don't wanna just be hearers of your word, but we want to be doers of your word. So Lord, I thank you, I bless you, I praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks, and everybody said amen. amen. All right, so here's how we're gonna start this off. We're gonna have a lot of fun. I need you to look to the person to your left, look at him to your left. Now I need you to look at the person to your right, and here's what I need you to know. This morning you are sitting next to a grade A sinner. Amen, okay, you are sitting next to a sinner. And, and here's why you are sitting next to a sinner. It's because all of us have this thing on the inside of us called a sinful nature. Somebody shout it real loud, sinful nature. Now, some of you who are new to Jesus, you're like, what is that? Let me explain. I learned all too well, y'all, about what the sinful nature is by my son, who at the time was four years old. It was this time of year, it was Christmas time, and like most of us, we put up a Christmas tree and we got the gifts up underneath the tree, and uh, there's a rule in our house, which is you can't open your Christmas presents until Christmas morning, okay? So I walked downstairs, it's a couple of days before Christmas, I look under the tree and notice that one of the gifts under the tree was slightly open. So as a good dad, I did my due diligence and first asked my wife, I said, hey honey, did you happen to open up this gift? She said, no, I didn't open up the gift. So there's only one possible person left in our house at this time. Who could have opened up this gift? And you know, you are really in trouble when your parents use your full government name. So I walk downstairs and I say, "Bring Anthony Hatchett, Bring your butt downstairs." And he starts walking downstairs, a little four-year-old self, and I say, "LB? Did you open up this gift under the tree?": And so sweet and so innocent, y'all, he looks at his daddy in the eyes and says, "No." <laughs> at this point, obviously, you all know he's already lying." So I say, "LB." I checked with your mom, your mom didn't open this gift. I know I didn't open this gift, and for sure, the Holy Ghost didn't open this gift. So with that being said, <laughs> did you open this gift? Now he knows, he's caught red-handed, and he says, yes. So I said, well, since you already halfway opened it, I want you to go ahead, and just open up the whole gift. So he, he opens up the whole gift, and you can see him smiling a little bit, and say, you like the gift? You like the gift, don't you? Well, guess what? Now you gotta give it away, because you opened it up. No, don't be. Ah, uh, we practice generosity in our house, okay? I'm trying to teach him generosity, right? If he had to grow up in my house, we believe in spare the rise spoil the child. Amen. He ain't getting none of that. He, he you got to just give the gift away. Amen. Now, here's the deal, y'all. As I processed this though, I thought to myself. My son, who's four, who's so cute, who's so, you know, at four years old, they, they're usually the cutest between four and five. Like at four and five, kids don't talk back yet. They got good manners for the most part. Once they hit like seven, eight, nine, then they get a little smart at the mouth, all kind of stuff. He's still in this sweet, innocent age. And I'm asking myself, how in the world does my four-year-old naturally and instinctively know how to lie? Because here's the reality: He never heard me and his mom lie, and we definitely didn't teach him how to lie. He just knows how to do it, and here's why he knows how to do it, y'all: Because he has a sinful nature. Psalm 51, verse number six: Here's what it says: That you and I were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. What does that mean? It means that the moment that you and I came out of our mother's womb, we had a natural proclivity towards sin. There's just something on the inside of us that makes us want to sin. But here's where it gets even crazier. I have learned in my journey through Jesus that in the pre-cross days you have no problem with sin, but then all of a sudden you give your life to Jesus, you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, but there's something on the inside of you that sometimes still wants to sin. And it's because even after salvation, we never get rid of and can't get rid of the sinful nature. But there's a conviction there because none of us who are believers in Christ, who love Christ with all of our heart, minds and souls actually want to be in a position to where we're sinning. So then the question becomes, what do I do? How do I change this? And let me tell you what you don't want to do. What you don't want to do is go down a process of what many psychologists and psychiatrists use called behavior modification. What's behavior modification? Behavior modification is is you watch yourself doing things or saying things or involved in activities that you know aren't necessarily good for you, could be harmful to you, so here's what you do. You start to change your behaviors. And oftentimes, we come to churches like this and we get saved, and because some of us haven't had the opportunity to be discipled by someone, but we're still trying to pursue Jesus with all our hearts, minds, and souls, we start reading the Bible and we see a bunch of do's and we see a bunch of don'ts. And we go down this line of saying, all right, if I'm going to be a good Christian, let me start modifying my behavior. But here's the reality, I sincerely don't believe that the Bible teaches anything about behavior modification. I am convinced and convicted that what the Bible really teaches is spiritual transformation. How do I know this? Romans chapter 12 says this, be not conformed, this is verse two, Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what God's will is for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Holy Spirit doesn't expect us to modify behavior. What he expects us to do is live a transformed life, but only do this with him and his word. So the message title, again, No Longer Bound, here's the first question. How do I go down this process of being set free from sin and experiencing true transformation in Christ? Point number one, you must hide God's word in your heart. Let me say it again. I thank you so much for that. Yep, I felt that from way over here. You must hide God's word in your heart heart. Let me invite you to Psalms 119. We're going to look at verses 9 through 16. Here's what the psalm writer says. He says, how can a young person stay pure? And just so everyone feels included, let me add my own little twist to it. How can a young person, how can an old person, how can a middle-aged person, how can a tall person, how can a short person, how can a person who likes crumble cookies too much stay (laughs) pure? And here's what it says. It says, by obeying your word. Verse 10, the psalm writer says, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wonder from your commandments. But verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why is it so important, y'all, that we have God's word hidden in our heart? Here's what I've learned. There are some times where people approach God's word and when we read it, we don't read it for transformation. Sometimes we read it just for knowledge and information. And here's the reality. Let me just say, I don't think there's anything wrong from reading the Bible for knowledge and information. It actually can make you, in some cases, a really great apologist. In addition to that, this Bible is a book of history. It's a book of geography. There's many, many wonderful things about this book. But here's the problem. When you and I only read the Bible for knowledge and information, we never get to the point to where the things that we read, we actually start to live. And I am convinced God doesn't want you and I to just know his word, but he wants you and I to live his word. But the only way I'll ever be able to effectively live this word is if I allow the Holy Spirit to write it on my heart. Here's one of the promises I made to myself. I told myself that when I die and leave this earth and my wife and my kids have to stand at my funeral and give words of acknowledgement about me, the ultimate dream is for my kids and my wife to be able to say, The same man you saw my daddy and you saw my husband on the weekend in the pulpit, he was a far better man in private. But here's the reality. If you don't have this thing in your heart, it can be really easy to say one thing, but then completely and totally go do another thing. Holy Spirit gave me a cheat code three years ago for the ability to actually live this out. And it was a prayer. I was, it was twenty twenty. I was sitting at home getting ready to go to work and I was reading my Bible and out of the blue, I said this prayer and I've been saying it every single time I read my Bible since then. And the prayer is simply this, God, would you let the words that are written in your word be written on my heart so that I may live them out. And to this day, I still say that prayer every day, prayed it this morning. God, would you let the words that are written in your word be written on my heart so that I may live them out. Here's the truth of the matter. Some of us still struggle with sin because we haven't filled ourselves with God's word. Here's the reality. You know without a shadow of a doubt that right before you fall into the quote-unquote sin, whether it's the text message between eleven a.m. and two p. or eleven p.m. and two a.m., or whether it's the temptation to overeat. You all know that right before you fall into it, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, "Now you know you need to get out of this drive-through." <laughs> See, some of y'all it took a little second to catch it, but you caught it. Amen. But for other people, a you know you should have been blocked him or blocked her from your context list. Why do you keep keep playing with it? But here's the problem. When those moments happen, what I've learned most often is, instead of us trying to hide with God's word, we tend to hide from God's word. And if you listen to what the psalm writer says in the rest of the psalms, he is trying his hardest to never hide from God's word, but he's trying to hide with God's word. Here's what he says in verse 12. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. i rejoice rejoiced in your laws as much as in your riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Here's what I love about the psalm writer that I see. y'all, He is hungry for God's word. the reason why he's hungry is for God's word, because he understands that God's word is nourishment to his soul. And if God's word is nourishment to his soul, let me ask you all this question. How many of you all would volunteer right now to only eat one meal per week? Anybody wanna take that up for the next 12 months? Just one meal per week, you eat Wednesday at noon. Anybody wanna take that one? I don't see a single taker. Here's why you won't take that. You won't take that because you know that that's not good for your body. You wouldn't be able to perform at an optimal level if all you had was one meal per week. So now let me flip it. Then why do you only read this one time per week? You want to see the Holy Spirit move in your life. You want to be set free from sin, but yet you don't want to take the time to sit there and read his word. Because when he speaks to you, he's going to speak to you through this right here. It's in those moments where the enemy's knocking at my door, where I can hear God's voice, I elevate it, and God will simply say to me, you know I'm making a way of escape from you. This is the moment where you walk away. I I know they deserve to be cussed out right now like a sailor, but because my grace is sufficient for you and I've taught you to be slow to anger, I need you to step aside and let me fight your battles because my word says, vengeance is mine. He never said it was yours. This is how the Holy Spirit walks and talks and teaches and leads and guides when we find ourselves in those tight situations. Now, here's another reality. I need you to understand that as it relates to sin, God's word is not the problem. Context. I gave my life to Jesus at 16 years old. I was on fire for him, y'all. But I had a little struggle with lust, okay? And I remember sometimes having a conversation with the Lord, just saying to the Lord, Lord, if you just would have removed lust out of the Bible, I'd be such a good Christian right now. I'd just, just be amazing. And, and here's the truth. While mine's might have been lust, yours might be. Lord, if you just take anger out of the Bible, I'd be so good right now. If you just take bitterness out of the Bible, I'd be such a good Christian right now. If you just take this, 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 and this out of the Bible, I'd just be an amazing Christian. But here's what my good buddy Paul teaches us. He says, the problem, y'all, is not with the word. The problem is with you. Can I prove it to you? Let's go to Romans chapter 7, we're almost done. Romans chapter 7, uh, just to set it up for you really quickly. Paul is essentially writing to three Uh, audiences. So there are Jews that he's writing to and then there are Uh, Jews that are believers that he's writing to, and then he's also writing to Gentiles. And in Romans chapter seven, he is um, primarily speaking to uh, Jews who are believers, and he is addressing their sin. And in the first part of Romans chapter seven, here's what Paul essentially says. He says, I need you to understand that because of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, we are no longer bound by the law, but we have been set free in Christ. That's good news. Matter of fact, if you're a brand new believer, I would encourage you to take some time before the end of the year to read through the book of Romans because it is the most beautiful book that explains the gospel in totality. So here's what he says in Romans chapter 7, the first part. But then in the second part of Romans chapter 7, here's what he goes on to say. But I also need you to know that just because we have been set free from the law, it doesn't mean that the law was bad. As a matter of fact, God's word was spiritual and good because it lets you and I know how much we actually need God. Pretty a translation. Here's what Paul's basically saying. This Bible isn't bad, this Bible works like a mirror. It shows you where you are, but also where you can improve on. And for those of you who have been saved long enough, my barber, he and I were talking yesterday. He was like, what are you teaching on this weekend? And I told him, I said, yeah, man, sometimes you'll sit down and you'll read the Bible, and then he finished the sentence that other times, the Bible will read you. I said, amen, brother, you better, you want to preach this weekend. Um, but it's the truth. The Bible works like a mirror. Let me give you context to make it plain for you. Um, so one of my mentors, he's been, he, he has challenged me like I have never been challenged before. And here's what he said. He says, Brent, I want you to take the time to become the man of your dreams. And in this process, I want you to become the healthiest you've ever become. I want you to become healthy physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, professionally, the whole night. I'm like, cool. So I start going down and working on these different areas where I need to become healthy in, and one of those healthy areas is trying to be physically fit, right? Trying to, trying to get rid of this dad bod, amen. Um, so uh, from, I would say about 90 days, right, about 90 days, y'all, I'm so, I'm so proud of myself. My wife is sitting over there somewhere, so if she lies, she can call me out now. Uh, I go to the gym Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. and I haven't missed since I joined this gym. Whoa. I'm just, <laughs> hallelujah. Now, for transparency, we without question backslid this Thursday and Friday. So y'all pray my strength in the Lord. We're, we're way backslid and too much banana pudding, but we gonna get on it tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. I like to sometimes measure my progress. And sometimes the scale doesn't tell the whole story. So here's what I'll do, I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, damn boy, your pectoral muscles, they look kinda good, fam. But then there are other times I'll look down at my stomach and be like, boy, you got a long ways to go, fam. You 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 got a long ways to go. Why am I saying this? It's the same thing with God's word. Sometimes you can read this Bible and say, you know what, I'm actually not doing too bad in the area of trusting in God. But I've got a whole bunch of margin of growth in the area of forgiving those who have offended me. I've got a whole big margin of growth in the area of generosity. That's what happens in God's Word. So this is what Paul is saying. Paul is basically saying, listen, the trouble is not with God's Word. The trouble is with you. And here's what Paul goes on to say. He says this in Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse number 14. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble, and Paul talks about himself. He says, the trouble is with me, for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it? Let me pause here. I'm encouraged by this. And here's the reason why I'm encouraged by this. Y'all, Paul, in my opinion, is probably the second most influential believer that has ever walked planet Earth next to Jesus. To this day, we are still reading his letters. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament for us. And during his lifetime, he planted more churches than anyone. He was raising up disciples like crazy, and he died for the church. His story was completely and totally redeemed, but might I also add, despite all the stuff that he did, Paul also struggled with sin. Paul had a sinful nature. And I just rejoice in the fact that he was open and honest and transparent enough to write out how much he actually struggled with sin. I'm going to read what Paul says about his struggle with sin, and I'm not trying to be too funny, but the reality is, is when you read this text, it's almost like Paul is struggling from spiritual schizophrenia. Listen to it. Here's what he says. He says, that I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me. That doesn't. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Let me pause before we go to verse number 25. Here's the reality. You and I have the Holy Spirit, and here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts. But we also have an adversary, and here's what the adversary does. He condemns. And there's a major difference between conviction and condemnation. What's the difference? Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit when he sees us in our wrongs, but he convicts us because he loves us. And as a result, he sees us in our sin but he convicts us because he doesn't want us to stay there. It's his aim to pull us out of our sin. But the adversary, what he does is he condemns you. He says, oh, you had an affair? Well, now you're an adulterer and that's who you are. And he puts this label on you. And if you listen too long to the condemnation of the enemy, here's what ends up happening. You start condemning yourself. This is why Paul has language that says, oh, what a miserable man I am. And can I just give some encouragement and slight correction to some of you in this room who find yourself in the same struggle that Paul was in, the same struggle that I found myself in in one season of life, and here's the reality. Don't do the enemy's job for him. There's no reason for you to beat yourself up because of your sin. It's a reason why I had you look to the person to your left and look to the person to your right because the thing you struggle with, they might really struggle with too. And if they didn't struggle with that, they struggle with something else, but they struggle with something. And if they can't admit that they struggle with something, here's what they struggle with. They struggle with self-righteousness because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what does Paul go on to say? He goes on to say this. I'm so grateful that he didn't stop at verse 24. Verse 25, he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But now here's where the good news begins, Romans eight, verse one. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Meaning, I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care about the thought that you have in your mind right now because of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on that cross and because he got up out of that grave. You are no longer condemned, but you are set free in Christ. There is now no condemnation. And then he goes on to say, because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did. Every time I read this, Rick Ross voice just be screaming in my head, y'all pray for me. If you don't know who it is, please don't Google Rick Ross. You just, you don't, you don't, you don't need to know, okay? So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And watch this. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead... Follow the spirit, which leads me to point number two. If you want to be free from sin and no longer bound, point number two, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. I appreciate that, brother. God bless you. Amen. You must be led by the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? There's a reason why I believe the Holy Spirit gave us these two points. We must hide God's word in our heart, but we also must be led by the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that frustrates me so bad, and I'm gonna take a couple shots here, and I'm gonna be an equal opportunity offender. One of the things that frustrates me so bad is sometimes when I see my reformed friends or my Bible friends, and I have many of them, and they just say, "Read your Bible, read 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 your Bible," but then they completely and totally avoid the power of the Holy Spirit, and we call, a, call him an "it," like he's a stepchild in the Trinity. But let me also come over here to my charismatic friends. And here's what I say, pray, 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 speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Follow the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit. But you don't read your Bible, so you don't know his word. And here's what you need to understand, because I've met some people who speak in tongues and can be wicked, and I've met some people who know their Bibles and can be wicked. And here's the truth. If you and I are going to be set free from sin, it can't be just the Bible and it can't be just the spirit. It's both and. It's a marriage between the two. Now, here's the reality. Here's what Paul goes on to say. For those of you who want to be free, there's a decision that you have to make. What's the decision? Here's what he says in verse five. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit here's the reality for those of us who are trying to overcome whatever the proclivity of sin or our flavor of sin is i know for a fact that there is consistently a war in your mind and here's what i also know while you cannot control the thoughts that come in your mind you can control the ones that stay there so as a result i have to lean into god's word and lean into the holy spirit and ask him in those moments god i need you to cleanse my mind Help me to meditate. And this is why the songwriter says, on your word do I meditate day and night. Here's what he says in verse six. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But I got good news for us, Pillar, but you, we, us, are not controlled by the sinful nature. We are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember though that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Watch this, this is really important, because you have been made right with God. There are some of you who have been fed a false theology that my good works make me right with God. And let me kill that now. Scripture teaches us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. When Jesus died on that cross, here's what he did. He declared you righteous. You have imputed righteousness. The reality is there is nothing more you can do in your walk with Jesus to be any more right with him. I could... I could tomorrow try to preach a message and a thousand people get saved. I'm no more right than the person who preaches a message and only five people get saved. Because I don't earn my righteousness. Because of his loving kindness and goodness and mercy, he saw fit to know that I would never be able to live up to the standard according to the law, so he says to Brent and to Sally and to Pam and to John and to Joe, I'm just going to declare you righteous. And that's what Paul is expressing here in Romans. Here's what he goes on to say. He says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Last couple of verses, let's land the plane. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I came out here on this platform and I told you that we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, the subject of sin and the power to overcome sin. But I never told you why it's my favorite subject. The reason why it's my favorite subject, y'all, because it's the subject that I have had to live out. 12 years old was the first time I was exposed to pornography. and From 12 all the way through the halfway part of high school, it was something I consumed on a daily basis. And I didn't know Jesus, so I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. But then I stepped into this church filled with the Holy Spirit, Heard the gospel, gave my life to Jesus. not filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. I took an approach to where I was doing behavior modification. When what I really needed was a spiritual transformation. And here I am, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm still struggling with lust. I go to college, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching God's word, still struggling with lust. I get married, beautiful woman, one of the most gorgeous women on planet Earth, still struggling with lust. And for all the single people in the room who may have the same type of proclivity to sin that I did, I need you to know right now that your wife or your husband is not going to heal your lust problem. So here it is. Now I did enter into my first year of ministry and it wasn't consistent. It would be where I would maybe go on a six month or even a one year streak and not do it. And then I would fall back into the same habits. 2017, I'm in my first year of vocational ministry and I'm still struggling, lust. And it was sometime between December 25th and December 31st of 2017. I can't remember the exact date, but it was, the, it was this moment where I, I watched this video and I was done watching the video And the Holy Spirit meets me in my sin. And in my sin, he asked me a question. My senior pastor at the time, his name was Theo. I was his assistant pastor. And here's the question the Holy Spirit asked me. Brent, how would you feel if you knew that Theo was doing what you're doing? And immediately, there was a conviction that hit me like never before to so the question everyone how would you feel if you knew that your pastor was doing the same thing that you're doing and it was in that moment here's what i realized the activities of my life weren't lining up with the purpose of my life so as a result i went on this journey this journey to say, I am never going to watch this again. Year one was the hardest. There were moments where I was tempted to go back. Year two, it got a little bit easier. Year three got a little bit easier. Today, I am, it's been six years since I've watched any images on the internet. But here's, here's, here's the coolest and the craziest part at the same time. Y'all, and I say this with all sincerity, God, if I'm lying, strike me down. Y'all, I have zero desire to go and watch anything on the internet that I know doesn't line up with my purpose. Zero. How did I get to this place? I got here, and I don't take any credit for it. As Paul says, I'm not boasting in me, I'm boasting in the Lord. How did I get to this place? I've allowed His Word to be written on my heart. And I've learned how to walk with the Holy Spirit. So, As we get ready to stand and be dismissed, all right, let me say it again. As we get ready to stand and be dismissed, there we go, amen. I wanna take a moment and I wanna pray for you. And here's how I wanna pray. I wanna pray the same prayer over you that I've prayed for me because here's the thing, all of us have a thing, mine's was lust. Yours might be gluttony. Yours might be anger. Yours might be bitterness. Yours might be unforgiveness. We've all got a thing, okay? So I'm going to pray for you as if I were praying for me because it worked. So let me pray for you. Hey, Holy Spirit, would you let the words that are written in your word be written on our hearts so we may live them out? God we don't just want to be knowers of the word. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. But God, we want to be doers of the word. Now, this is my prayer, Lord, that you would amplify amplify your voice in our lives. And when temptation comes knocking at our door, That the greater one that is within us would give us the power to flee. I also want to rejoice. I want to rejoice in this moment, Lord, because your word says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I want to rejoice because your word says that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. So, Lord, in this moment, if there is anyone who has been bound by sin, I pray that you would loose them and let them go. That the enemy's stronghold will be broken and destroyed now in the mighty name of Jesus. That if there be any principality trying to oppress them, I pray, oh, Lord, that you would send a legion of angels to fight against the kingdom of darkness so that they may walk in truth and they may walk in freedom. God, I thank you that our lives will no longer be the same because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Father, whatever I failed in asking, I pray that you don't fail in granting. I thank you, I bless you, and I praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everyone said, amen.